Hey, this is Coach Freddie here, inspiring people to do things that inspire them, and welcome to the I Have for Evolution, where we'll be discussing the benefits of growing and using industrial hemp for people, planet, and profit. Conversations about the history, legalization, farming, harvesting, processing, building, manufacturing, investing, and how industrial hemp can benefit people's lives, heal the planet, and how it can be used to make thousands of products and boost the economy and business. So, are you ready to join the iHemp revolution? Hey, it's Coach Freddie here, and I'm here at Bluebird Botanicals with uh, Brandon Beatty. He's a long-term cannabis advocate and is the founder and CEO of Bluebird Botanicals, one of the world's leading suppliers of hemp-derived CBD oil, and also Mike Heron, head of the marketing and design team. So, Brandon, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, a little background before you got into Bluebird Botanicals? Sure. Well, to start off with, I've always been a strong cannabis supporter. Once I first discovered the plant in my early teen years, developed a, a very strong connection to it. So always been a longtime supporter. Leading up to founding Bluebird Botanicals, I was a, a head manager at an essential oil company. So they didn't do hemp products, but it was lots of herbal extracts, oil extracts, okay. and, mm -hmm. uh, and I was managing this online company. So I was kind of able to use a lot of my previous knowledge from that other job and uh, apply it here to the hemp industry. Okay. And so how long ago did you start Bluebird? Uh, we have officially founded it in June of 2012, but didn't launch sales till a year after that in July of 2013. Okay. And then we sold our first CBD products in October of 2013. Okay. And so what made you leave the other company and get into the hemp products? I wanted to leave, leave the other company just uh, out of general stagnation I was feeling at the job. Um, you know, the the usual feeling underappreciated, overworked. and yeah, I've been there many times. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so at a certain point, I yeah. felt that my knowledge base and skills were strong enough to go do something on my own. At a certain point, I was... My, my, honestly, my old boss at that job wasn't doing much for a long while, and I was keeping the company afloat, and I'd learned so much. But at a certain point, I was like, I should be doing this for myself. I am. I know how to run a company now, and there's no need to be getting paid minimally for it. Um, yeah. So I thought, you know, to take a risk. Let's take a risk and, and create our own project, our own company, and, and see if it works. And so now you put all your own money into this, and how many employees do you have right now? We have 15 employees, and that's including me and the treasurer, um, who are two owners of the company. So okay. we have 13 employees that are uh, not owners of the company. Okay. And uh, so you're incorporated. What was that process like to get the uh, company started? We started off just really, really simple. We incorporated in the state and uh, you know got our federal EIN number, got the bank account, just basic boilerplate stuff. Originally, we did not take outside investments. This was all just done with a small cash infusion. Um, it was honestly just $4,000 and a handful of credit cards. So there's a big risk in starting a company on credit cards because within four months, if you don't make the sales, you're out of business. Exactly. Um, so we were put in a tight position to make sure we had the sales to pay off those credit card bills. But we were able to do that successfully. And then 
at a certain point move away from the credit cards because our cash flow was just so substantial and healthy enough that we were just continually letting the company grow itself, um, just feeding the profits back into the company and uh, letting the company grow. So at this point, we've never taken investment, never taken a loan. But with $4,000 and a couple credit cards, we now have a pretty awesome worldwide operation. Yeah, sounds great. So Brandon, um, so you started hiring employees. Tell me about that process and how did you pick your employees and how did they come to you? Sure, sure. Uh, it was actually a very organic process at the beginning. The first employee, his name was Brian Kaiserauer. He was just a really, really good friend of mine needing a job and me and him just generally collaborate really well together. So pulled him on as the first employee and that was uh, when we were in my basement in, uh, in early 2013. Um, before we even moved into our first office. Very shortly after that, two months later, we hired, hired on two more employees. Over the course of the next four months, hired on another four employees about. So within our first CBD sale in October 2013 to April of 2014, in that about six month span, we brought on about eight employees. Wow. Um, just to handle the uh, rapid growth we were experiencing. And so your market was nationwide or was just uh, here in the Colorado area? It was nationwide. The way that we source our hemp um, from out of the country gave us the ability to sell it nationwide, even in 2013, before the 2014 Farm Bill was okay. enacted. So we were doing this even before that um, was ever signed in by Obama. And we do uh, that. We do plan to have immediate plans to change our sourcing. Actually, um, moving to U.S. grown. Okay, yeah, because it'll be coming very shortly here. So, let's talk about your marketing, uh, Mike. When did you join the company? So I joined the company right around when Brandon was talking about in April of 2014, when the the four more employees were brought in. I was one of those employees. And okay. In the beginning, it was it was really exciting because we were all basically jack of all, king of none. I mean, we were doing everything. We were answering phones. We were making the product. We were doing testing. We were doing quality assurance. We were um, answering emails from customers. Basically, anything that needed to be done on the day-to-day -day basically grind to make sure that we are operating as a business and getting our product to our customers and making sure they're satisfied with everything. We were all doing all of that. And every once in a while, we would get an hour or two in a week where we could sneak off and do something that we were actually passionate about. And my thing was marketing and design. I basically, I started designing some of the labels for Bluebird. And, um, you know, when I could, I would design some ad work or anything that would basically could get our name out there a little bit more. And then just about six months ago, I was finally able to switch over to basically being full-time head of marketing and design. And that's been uh, an exciting transition, and it's proved quite challenging because the way that CBD is, is perceived right now, there's still a, a lot of people that don't really know whether it's legal or whether it's illegal and, and what can be trusted and what can't be trusted. And there are a lot of companies that are playing it very safe, like Facebook is one of them, and even Google and Bing are playing it very safe. They're basically not allowing any CBD companies to be doing paid advertising. Okay. So when you do like a simple Google search, the first couple of results usually are paid advertising based on those terms. And that's what, you know, lots of people will click up there because if they're just on their computer and they're doing a search for 
you know, buy CBD oil. And the first one pops up and they just click on that link, whether it's paid advertising spot or not. Um, it was, it, it's, you know, it's, it's a very powerful form of advertising. And initially we were allowed to do that, but then Google basically said, nope, no CBD companies because we're going to play it incredibly safe and we are, you know, we, we don't want to be even taking a minor risk on letting CBD companies advertise with us. And that proved a, a very big challenge for us as a company because there, that was the primary way of getting, reaching out to new customers. And we noticed a drastic drop in sales and in, in basically, you know, new sales from customers when that when Google basically pulled the rug out from under us. So it's, ever since then, it's been a slow process of building up organically yeah. via um, print advertising, via you know advertising on websites that sell out private space, and then uh, some larger accounts that we've been going with recently. But it's mm-hmm. proved incredibly successful, and, and Bluebird has been growing and thriving because of the, the marketing that we've been doing. Well, that's great. So, so currently, what are some of the things that you're doing right now, sort of innovative in the marketing? Well, I mean, one of the, I would say, most innovative things that we're doing is um, we're reaching out to non-traditional channels because of the, the fact that there are a lot of people that are playing it safe. Um, so we are, we're really, you know, we're having to pay a lot of attention to where our marketing dollars are going and trying to, you know, basically take out middlemen sometimes. Lots of times advertising and marketing is done with a middleman who, you know, purchases all of the ad space. Um, but we're, we're doing a lot of directly to the businesses that are doing the advertising. Um, so basically business to business advertising. Okay. Um, and that, that, that's been fairly innovative, but I would say, you know, the most innovative thing in the marketing right now is that we are marketing for a product that a lot of people have no idea what it is. So it is, it's a, big hurdle to surmount yeah, exactly. when, when people don't know exactly what CBD is and they say an advertisement, you know, how do we get them to be interested in CBD? So we've been really tackling um, putting as many impressions out there as we can just to get some dialogue going so that people will start searching for CBD and hopefully they'll come to Bluebird because we help to educate them and we help to, you know, be as present in their form as possible in their journey of understanding cannabis as a plant. Um, but just increasing the talk of CBD has been a big goal of ours. And I've noticed that the people in businesses that educate their customers and potential customers, they form a loyalty to that company. Thank you. Hey, you didn't ask for anything, but you educated us. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, Brandon, let's get back to you here. And I know you've been doing some traveling back east and uh, what else do you do for PR or just getting your name out or helping the industry as a whole? Sure, sure. Um, there's a few things that come to mind. Um, first, uh, there is a hemp road trip that you're uh, acutely familiar with. Yes, I um, participate. I'm one of the uh, ambassadors on that trip. Yes. Yeah. So as you know, we are a sponsor for that trip. Um, just gave Rick a little more, uh, another donation to okay. kickstart your phase two that's about to start in a few weeks. Strong supporters of what you guys are doing, which is educating the public and trying to gain support for the Industrial Hemp Farming Act. There's some other things I'm involved in that are also revolving around that same act, the Industrial Hemp Farming Act, uh, which would be S-134, the act in the Senate, or H.R. 525 is the bill in the House. Um, they're both the same thing, sister bills, but both the Industrial Hemp Farming Act, which would legalize hemp cultivation, processing, and trade on a nationwide scale with n- no limits like there are currently with the 2014 Farm Bill, 
was specifically for research. And some states have taken a liberal stance on what research means. They're going ahead and researching marketing with product development and sales. But most other states are not taking that stance. Right. And a lot of states aren't even exploring hemp because there's still just ambiguity uh, around around the whole issue. So what we plan to do is pass the Industrial Hemp Farming Act in the next two years, ideally. And so all those issues will be cleared up. A lot of the people in the industry won't worry, have to worry about uh, certain bodies of organizations stopping them. Just get it fully legalized, the plant, and uh, we could all move on onwards and upwards. So something that I'm doing in particular to push that forward is I just got back from D.C. on Friday. The vice president of Bluebird and I visited Washington, D.C. and met with uh, many hemp industry leaders, including the Realm of Caring, the National Hemp Association, the Hemp Industries Association, Vote Hemp, the Kentucky Hemp Industries Council, Pennsylvania Hemp Industries Council, Bluebird, among some other private sector companies. We all came together. There was about 25 of us at a table and decided to formally form a coalition. And this coalition is uh, geared towards passing the Industrial Hemp Farming Act. Previous to this meeting last week, you had different associations going after different bills. They had their own group of lobbyists, their own group of attorneys, and then we had our attorneys and our lobbyists, and we're all duplicating efforts, a lot of the times to the detriment of the whole, instead of consolidating all that money, all those efforts and resources, and honing it in towards one common goal that'll benefit us all. So that's what we've formally decided to do just uh, less than a week ago, you know, and this was really big because it's pretty much the hemp industry has now unified. Yeah, and, uh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I know. I know you guys went back there, and I didn't know the uh, particulars of that. So that's mm-hmm. great to share that with our audience. Now, is anything else come out of that uh, meeting? Any particulars that you guys are going to be uh, working on? Yeah, we actually have a meeting. Uh, Bluebird has a meeting with the National Hemp Association today. We're two of the Colorado companies that were present in D.C. last week. So at one o'clock today, we'll be strategizing further. How do we continue to push this forward? Right now, the vice president here is drafting an email blast for our over 20,000 email subscribers that will be asking them to sign a petition, a petition which is requesting uh, to get the Industrial Hemp Farming Act bill passed. Um, We plan to get that petition signed by over 100,000 people really quickly and bring it to uh, Capitol Hill on July 4th. And we plan to present it to a lot of people on July 4th. Something else that came out of the meeting was that now that everyone was unified and we realized what our common goals were, we immediately went to the Hill and started lobbying. So we set up meetings, um, for instance, the Colorado guys, we set up meetings with Jared Polis and Senator Cory Gardner's staff okay. and informed them of what they were doing. They're already supporters of hemp, but we kind of let them know about this new coalition, this new effort that's going to be moving that bill forward. And his staff was very excited about that. Um, we also... That very same day, scored an impromptu meeting with Senator Ron Johnson's staff from Wisconsin. Um, it was really perfect because Ron Johnson is a supporter of hemp. He's signed hemp bills. But this one that had, that we think has the best chance of actually passing, it hasn't reached its desk yet. So we were able to describe the bill to his staff, um, who were incredibly receptive. They were taking notes and everything, and they're going to bring it back to the senator and ask him to be a co-sponsor. So since then, just yesterday, we were emailing with his staff, letting them know, hey, if you need any, if you have any other further questions or concerns, or if there's anything uh, we could share to help him become a co-sponsor, we are here. So that's a, that's a big part of it, is that now that we, we are forming a big lobbying group, 
to make sure that this bell reaches the desks that it needs to reach. Fantastic. Is there, if there's anything that I can do to help further that cause, I'm here. Mm-hmm. So just reach out to me. Right on, Coach. Beautiful. Right on. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's actually something I'd like to touch on real quick. Okay, go ahead. And, you know, something that has really inspired me about the hemp industry is that there is a lot of cooperation here. You know, I've, I, I went to school for information technology and I worked a few different jobs in different sectors. Um, and, you know, I, there's, there's a lot of competition in almost every business sector. And there's, of course, there's competition in hemp as well. But the thing is, it seemed, having those other perspectives and coming in and working in the hemp industry, I'm realizing that there's a lot more cooperation here than in pretty much any other industry out there. And that is something that is so inspiring to me because with that cooperation, we can really make some big changes. And I I truly believe that, you know, with that cooperation also comes, you know, a new paradigm of business where it's not so much of a dog eat dog, everybody out to get the other person, but rather we can all be successful. We all have our niches. We all have things that we are working for. And if we cooperate together, yeah, maybe we're not going to be like Microsoft or Apple. Maybe someday. Could be. But the thing is, you know, with that cooperation, it makes it so much more of a holistic movement, so much more of an actual pushing forward, a common united front to surmount these hurdles that we're facing as an industry. And uh, that's just something that's very beautiful to me. Fantastic. Yeah. And I see that here. There's a lot of synergy right here at your business. And uh, you don't see that in too many businesses out there. So I, I uh, congratulate both you guys. Man, Thank you. For, for, Thank you. You know, for me, it's just like looking. I said, "Wow, this is great." So uh, that's why I wanted to come back personally and do this rather than on the phone. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that, Coach. Yeah. So um, Brandon, is there anything that you'd like to add for our listeners on iTunes or Stitcher Radio that this will be on? Um, yeah, I would like to uh, just echo my previous statements about how important the Industrial Hemp Farming Act is, and I request that everyone uh, get their hands on a petition to sign it or donate directly to the National Hemp Association, who is uh, gearing their efforts towards passing this bill. Um, and I want to remind you that this isn't just to benefit the hemp industry or CBD companies in particular. Um, this is something that will have impact on the whole world. Um, as we all know, there's a lot of sustainability issues in the world, deforestation, digging up all the oil in very dangerous ways. A lot of people think it's in dangerous ways, um, affecting quality of water and quality of air in communities right here in Colorado, the heavy metals in the soil and radiation problems from nuclear activity, hemp, industrial hemp, amazingly, is a viable option to maybe not solve, but strongly address almost all those issues. There are avid supporters that think it would completely fix all those issues just on its own. I'm going to be a little more conservative, but I know it, it will help to some degree all those issues. It's, it's a, it's a wonder crop. A lot of people maybe overstate it, but, but, uh, it truly is a wonder crop that could be used for so many things, um, and can benefit the whole country economically. It could bring life back to our farmers. As we all know, the farmers in this nation are struggling. The cost of wheat has gone down. The cost of hay has gone down and pretty much every other farmer in Colorado is putting up a sell sign on his property right now. And it's really sad, but this again is a very viable way to help that situation too. Fantastic. Yeah. So, Mike, anything you'd like to add? I'd just like to echo what Brandon said right there. It, it really does seem like, you know, not only the, the cooperation that I mentioned before being a, a huge boon to the industry, 
But just the fact that this is such a hardy, wonderful, multi-use plant, it is. It, it really seems to be something that could help our economy in a way that it hasn't seen help from in quite some time. And I think that, you know, along with the growing technology that is also increasing our cooperation and our communication and our the globalism in a certain way, I think that hemp is is very naturally a, a biological analog to that. It is it is so many uses and once again it's bringing everybody together. And I think that it's it could be a huge industry and really help out the American people, the American farmers, and globally too, everybody in it, everybody in the world. So I'm just like to echo that sentiment. Okay. Well, that's great. So, Brandon, how can uh, our listeners here in iTunes or Stitcher Radio um, get a hold of you? What's your address and email and website? Mm-hmm. Um, the business uh, address here is 580 Burbank Street, Unit 120, and that's in Broomfield, Colorado, 80020. Uh, my email is brandon at bluebird-botanicals.com. And, uh, yeah, feel free to email me if you have any questions about things we've shared here. Um, you'd like to support in any way, please reach out and uh, let's start a conversation. Okay, and that's your uh, a website also? Yes, the website is bluebird-botanicals.com. Fantastic. Well, I want to thank you both, Brandon and Mike, for being uh, uh, a guest on the IHAMP Revolution. We are so happy to join. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you, Coach. I want to thank our listeners for tuning in today and make sure that you subscribe to the IHAMP Revolution podcast on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. Give us a review and follow us on facebook.com forward slash IHAMP Revolution. Like us and then tell your friends. Help us spread the word about how using industrial hemp can benefit people, heal the planet, and provide long-term profit. This is your host. Coach Freddie, inspiring people to do things that inspire them, and thanks for joining the iHemp Revolution.